This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Um, We are going to take a break from our podcast that we've been having for the last few weeks on marriage to talk about a subject that um, actually came up with Donna uh, in uh, a class that she was doing. Give us a little background. And by the way, we have Donna Huff here today, (laughs) our children's minister and women's minister. We have um, Matt Aldridge, who is our youth pastor. and so, Donna, tell, give us a little bit of the background of, of what's going on. Well, we are about to wrap up a series that we've been doing a call, um, from John MacArthur's book called 12 Extraordinary Women. And when we hit the story of Mary Magdalene, one of the things that came up, obviously, is that she had been possessed by seven demons before Jesus came along and set her free from all of that. And as part of that story, we began to talk about in the classroom, um, as the women was we were doing our Bible study, we began to talk about demon possession and just demons in general. And, you know, there were a lot of questions, as there always are, with something that seems a little, um, uh, oftentimes can seem a little out of reach for what we know and understand. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's that sort of fairyland kind of the bad fairies, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's out there for us. And it seems a little bit beyond what we know and what we've, um, we don't often study it, but I know that you've done one with, on a Wednesday night with the church. Was it last year? Uh, yeah, actually I think it was more like 18 months ago, but yeah, we, yeah. we did, uh, well, did demons a study and with angels. Them. Yeah. And most of these women would not have been in here during your Wednesday night study because they would have been participating in another small group. So there were just a lot of questions that we came out of that with. And, you know, I came to you the next day and said, hey, let's let's talk this through. And I think that's probably the impetus behind us being here. Well, and just in, in talking about it, uh, I, I have had uh, in my time here at North Glencoe probably five or six times either a church member or someone from the community come to me and say, uh, can you come bless my house or cast the demons out of my house because my home is demon-possessed? And so that shows a, a level of ignorance about demons and Satan and how he works that I, I want us to address here. I think in kind of everyone's mind is this idea that as we see um, in the incarnation, Jesus moving through this world, um, lots of interaction with demons. Uh, You have the the young man who's possessed by demons throwing himself into fires. And so it's natural in a pre-scientific or post-scientific world for people to see someone that's maybe an epileptic or, well, maybe he's demon-possessed. Right. Um, and so I want us to, to take, take a break from marriage and talk about demons <laughs> and, and Satan. Not Just related. Not related at all. <laughs> no. Um, According to who you ask. <laughs> and so this is, this is a study that I, I hope, and the reason why I kind of wanted to do it with these guys is because we typically have a good time with stuff, and I don't want this to be a podcast that people, you know, feel the need to turn the lights down and, and light candles to listen to. No, no seance is necessary. No seance is necessary. No, no, don't no pull circles. out the Ouija board. Mm. <laughs> you know? And so I, I want, first of all, us to, to start out with the realization that satanic activity and demonic activity is real. Yeah. yeah. It's something that's discussed in the Bible. If we believe in a personal, real Savior we by default have to believe that there's a personal real Satan, that there's really a fallen angel whose name is Satan. 
uh, in the book of Revelation. He's called the, the, the great dragon. He's called um, the, uh, the, 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 um, the, the serpent. We know that he's a real live person. When Judas is about to betray Jesus, Luke tells us that Satan entered into Judas. And so we know that there is a, a Satan. Now, one of the things that we know about Satan is that he is a created being. He is not supernatural. He's a spirit, but he doesn't have omnipresence. Satan can't be everywhere at once. He's not omniscient. Uh, now, he has been around for uh, a couple of years, so he doesn't... <laughs> he, I don't think that any of our failures surprise him. I don't think he's going, wow, that guy fell. Oh, wow, uh, we got him. <laughs> we got him. Uh, because I think that... that He's been around long enough to know how humans act and react, and so he's he's pretty got a, he's got a system that works for him. Worked in the garden, and it's worked ever since. Um, and so, satanic activity is real, and so his minions, if you will, demonic activity is real. And so, I want us to look at what the Bible has to say about it, and talk about what the purpose of Satan is. And uh, what, what motivates Satan, the, the Bible lets us know what that is, and then know how you as a believer can fight against Satan because, um, because he's not omnipotent and he is not, um, we're, we are commanded to resist the devil and then he will flee from us. So we can um, fight back, if you will. And so this may be something that drags into more than one podcast. We'll see, see how it goes. So... Uh, we have a story in the book of Luke about uh, Jesus after he had calmed a storm. He had just, uh, he was riding on a boat. He looked out at the storm and in the, the King James kind of language, he says, peace be still, which um, I, I heard a preacher one time say, he literally looked at the storm and said, shut up. And it did. And <laughs> the disciples are pretty marveled. They were afraid. That kind of freaked them out. As it would. I mean, if, if... Had I been there, I would also have been freaked out. If there was a thunderstorm going on, you're trying to watch a football game or you're trying to watch something on TV and somebody you know walks on the porch and says, shut up, and then the storm stopped. Well, it's, I, I, like <laughs> knowing, like, um, like if, you're at, if, you've got, if you're at somebody's house, like as a kid... I can't get of, my kids and, to be quiet during and a so bunch of friends <laughs> And a bunch of friends come over or whatever, yes. and everybody's hanging out, and then somebody's mom or dad is like, hey, y'all shut up. And you're like, oh, okay, Ooh. well... I'll, all right. My, and then five minutes my, later, you're my screaming bad. Yeah, again. and then we anyway, screaming again. But, it, like, in that moment, we're all freaking out and having a good time and clueless. Then somebody else, hey, shut up. And you're like, oh. Okay. Keep it down. My, my bad. Well, the <laughs> fact, fault. yeah, and then, you you know, you, you touch in the fact that here he's telling nature to shut up and settle he's down. You know? I mean, shut up. You know, hey, I'm trying to take a nap here. <laughs> and then nature goes, oh. Oh, oh my, my bad. That's all that's all Yeah, totally me. Yeah. So they go from that to a Gentile community uh, called uh, the the Gerasene or Gadarene, uh, according to which whether you're reading Luke's version or Matthew's version, it's the same place, which is opposite Galilee across the the uh, Sea of Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there he met a man from a city who had demons. For a long time, he had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house but among the tombs. So here was a guy who was drawn to death. He is People didn't like him. He was the weirdo, so he's pushed out into the away from society. He's hanging out at the tombs naked. 
uh, and he has not just a demon, but he has demons. And so when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. So here, here we have um, all the, 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 uh, prep, uh, the um, pronouns. So the, the demon-possessed guy yells at Jesus, recognizes who Jesus is immediately. Mm-hmm. There's no introduction here. He automatically knows that Jesus is the Just son. Just that of alone kind of stuns you into silence. As you're, you know, if you're standing there watching that, you're thinking, they know him. Well, I mean, you get that. <laughs> uh, you've heard that. I've heard that preached so many times when going through James, where it's like, hey, look, even the, heard that whole, the whole thing of, hey, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you may believe, even the demons, you know, kind of got that round <laughs> yeah. Like, you hear that one, it turns like, they, they know, they got, yeah. they know who he is. They, they've been around a minute, they kind of know this kind of thing, and they kind of, kind of, they've been prepped, you know, like, they, they know what's going on here. Yeah, that son of the most high God, and, you know, you're standing there watching this, and you have to be, I, I, silent. You have to be awed it's in that awe. moment, you know? Oh, crap. The naked guy is going. Naked guy's got a better theology than most preachers. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> the crazy naked guy that lives in the graveyard. Yes. Yes. So uh, they automatically recognize their, their, their subordination or their subservience to Jesus. Um, I, we beg you, do not torment me, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man for... Um, Many a time it had seized him, and he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds. So here's this guy who is out in the graveyard, regularly apparently is tied up or chained up, and he just snaps out of them, no big deal. I mean, you could just see the local dads in the community. They're like, you know, the weirdo's out again. Let's get, somebody's going to drag him back to the graveyard, <laughs> tie him back down, you know. Well, we, we moved to a neighborhood in uh, North Carolina that was kind of, you know, cul-de-sac, normal. If you if you drug a naked guy to a graveyard and tied him down yeah, and that's... said he was demon-possessed, Did, Tom, didn't do this that. is not the... Didn't do that. But when we moved in, sure everybody Oregon, said, hey, the guy, Salem. We, hey, at the end of the street, there's a crazy guy. And oh, I've heard this. Everybody yeah. told us, "Hey, be careful! Don't let the kids down at the end of the cul-de-sac because there's a crazy guy." And so it, you can see this going on mm-hmm. in the community. Everybody yeah. knows. Was he crazy? The guy on the end of my street. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was suffering from PTSD. He was very crazy. Uh, he wasn't naked all the time, but I never saw him wear a shirt. <laughs> he slept in the treehouse, didn't he? Cargo, yes. cargo That's shorts. The story where the guy slept. In the uh, yeah, cargo yeah, shorts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Covered <laughs> up in tats. Had a, um, had, a, had a feeling. I knew that. I knew what that mo was. I yes. kind of had a feeling. Kept the head shaved, oh, wow. covered this in is... tats. He he couldn't. He he slept in a tree stand, and he would pull the ladder up at night so that nobody could get to him. Uh, he oh. was a crazy guy. Um, but uh, my point of the story is. That's sad. I just wanted. I just wanted. I just wanted. Need some more details. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to know. We'll cover the rest of that later. <laughs> That's part two next week. Yeah. Part two next <laughs> week. I was gonna be hanging. Like I wanted to know if he was crazy or not. Yes. And yeah, yes. he was he was crazy as run over dog. Um, so sadly. yes, yeah, sadly. So just like here, everybody knows who this guy is. Everybody knows that he's got problems. Uh, Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And legion means about a thousand. Mm-hmm. So um this could be uh braggadocious on the part of the demons. They could have uh we aren't told exactly how many. Enough to fill a bunch of pigs, as we will see. Yes. So, um, 
they begged him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter the pigs. And then the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, so they, they had a really bad day because they just <laughs> lost, lost all, all, their their pigs. all their pigs. Yes. It's like, come, come on, the... the the crazy guy gets to stay in all my pigs. Like, what am I? My, my livelihood just ran didn't off do into anything. the sea. Wait, what part of the world is this in? Well, this is in the this is in the Gentile side across from from uh, the city of Galilee. So yeah, they're they, eating all the bacon they can. <laughs> they're loving it. <laughs> I was gonna say they're not kosher, are they? No. <laughs> yes. When I li- um, uh, lived in Turkey. There was a, a a Muslim guy, and everybody called him the Pig Man, and he was the one that smuggled pork into everybody. <laughs> and he would he regularly would go on these these runs to it's Germany like, to buy pigs. A, I just can imagine he's doing the whole dap somebody up handshake. There's like a sausage patty in there, like you're just <laughs> just passing out breakfast sausages to people. Smoked sausage links, yeah. you know. Well, I and I picture these like high speed, low drag, um, like. Smugglers, you know, with like no. all, all the, the <laughs> fake things in their vehicles. He had a duffel bag full of pork as he come across. <laughs> yeah, he just had he just had frozen packs of barbecue in his duffel bag. Like that's all it was. Yeah. And the pig guy had a heart attack. Shockingly, <laughs> you can't be serious. No, I'm serious. He, and he was exactly what you would think the pig guy would look like. A cholesterol-induced I mean, heart attack. Who'd have thought? It was guys, a pig man. Have so gone down a rabbit trail. Let's pull it back in here. Okay. All right. So the pigs jump off the hill. <laughs> the herdsmen saw it, and well. then the people, the the whole town's in an uproar because you've got the crazy guy who lives out at the great naked guy is hooking up with Jesus, meeting with Jesus, and we everybody hears about that. You've got, I mean, a a bunch, a thousand pigs, a bunch of pigs. Just uh, this has got to be an economic impact on somebody. <laughs> somebody Somebody's upset. looking at their books that night, going, "I, uh, well, I don't I have runoff into the sea insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not have collateral pig suicide in my policy. Now it's not there because uh, this is literally an act of God, <laughs> so it's not covered. So. Um, the people all show up. They come to Jesus, and they find the guy sitting at Jesus' feet in his right mind, wearing some clothes. And those who had seen it told him how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And then the people of the surrounding country asked Jesus to depart from them, for they were seized with great fear, which is not the reaction that I would expect when the crazy guy <laughs> is all of a sudden sane. It's like, oh, wow, this Jesus guy is really, really strange. <laughs> I, I don't know the the power of that, the fact that you know there is a herd of pigs that have plunged <laughs> off say, into the sea. They're just mad they lost all their pigs. I, I don't I don't <laughs> know. No, it there's says that the reason they asked him to leave wasn't because of the pigs, but they were seized with great fear because this dude is clothed and in his right mind. But what you see there is that God that Jesus had the power to control the demons. They understood what this man was struggling with, and that he was able to control this. That has to be. That's, that's, that's I mean, shell that's, shocking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's stunning, and it's fearful because again, we often are afraid of things that we're not familiar with. So I think that you have some of that going on the human mind or human heart, where you know I'm not familiar with that. That can produce some fear and anxiety in me. I, well, clearly they are completely freaked out by this situation. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And they beg Jesus. Go away. <laughs> um, so 
what we see in this is that these demons are completely obedient and subservient to Jesus, that they they recognize him for who he is. They recognize his authority. They beg him for mercy. Um, he has complete and utter control over them. Can I throw in here, just for anybody who's listening that's parenting, and one of the things that we do deliberately back in the children's department um, here at church is that we will take the time and we will do a, I'll do a little wordplay game with the kids and just, you know, what's the opposite of this? I'll say up, they'll say down, I'll say black, they say white, I'll say God. And a lot of them, very often, some of them have now caught on to the game and don't do it as much, but they'll, they'll stop, but many of them will say Satan. And so it's a good jumping off point for me to always stop and teach them the fact that God is not equal or opposite to Satan. God is God. And he is over everything, including Satan and the demons. And that's kind of one of those teaching points where we slow down with the kids. And it's just real simple, but it helps prompt them to think. So you can do that even at home with them. Absolutely. And I I think that, again, we see that... um very clearly that we're this battle between Jesus and these demons is not one that is a fight of equals absolutely or not. even a fight uh, this is is someone who clearly is in control versus someone who has to do what they're told mm-hmm. and is afraid and so uh recognize their believer that that this same Jesus that we see here is the Jesus that has saved you and that is working in your life, that demons don't control, can't, with without you opening yourself up to them, have, if we resist them, the saint, saint has to flee. The issue is, is that we, usually that we like our sin, so we don't resist. We, we in the book of Job, one of Job's friends describes Job's supposed sin in a way that, that I've always thought was very poetic. Even though the friend was wrong in ascribing this to Job, he said to Job, you carry your sin in your mouth like a rock, which doesn't make any sense to us in English, but what he's saying is it's like a hard candy. You're playing with it in your mouth. You like it. Your sin is something that you are going through like toying with, um, and, and that's a very poetic way to describe how we do. We, we like our sin, and we, we will try to cover it up. Sometimes the biggest lies we tell are lies that we tell ourselves. Now there's no reason to get us convicted in this. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I was like, but it's so I true. I thought we were talking about demons. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, yeah. what? My sin? Wait. Well, yeah. All right, so we see in that that, um, that Jesus is completely in command, and every time Jesus is having an interaction, whether it's with Mary or whether it's here, uh, even with Satan, um, d- directly during the temptations, Jesus is the one in control. When S- Satan does all these things, and then at the end of it, Jesus says, all right, get out of here, I'm done with this, and he leaves. Mm-hmm. Let's juxtaposition that. Let's compare that with uh, the sons of Sceva. So the story is, is Paul has been traveling through the area of, of uh, what is now modern-day Turkey and Asia Minor, and uh, God's doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. 
Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to evoke the name of Je the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I assure you, which, by the way, if you're casting out demons, don't use azure. <laughs> Nobody in the room is going to know what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if the demons have to get out a dictionary, that's the problem. <laughs> I assure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Uh, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, Paul I've heard of, who are you? I love that line. Yes. I really think that would make a great horror movie. <laughs> and the man in whom the evil spirits, uh, in, the man in whom had the evil spirits, leapt on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So here are these seven guys trying to throw around religious mumbo jumbo at, at these demons, end up getting beat and beat naked and thrown out of the house. So clearly. That's a different response than what we see with the demons, with Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. So here we have these guys who, for, from the description that's given in the book of Acts, they're trying to make a buck. They are, are going around doing a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo. They're, they're doing their seances. They're, they're, they're doing their thing. And so they hear that Paul's doing a bunch of powerful stuff. They hear that, that the Holy Spirit is working in an amazing way to validate the message that Paul is bringing to a part of the world that had never been exposed to the gospel before. And so these guys try to get on a, to make a buck, and they end up getting beat naked. <laughs> such, a, out. <laughs> such, a, such a different turn on that. <laughs> well, I, and I love that. Okay, so having grown up in the South, I've, I've witnessed several uh, schoolyard, or I'll meet you at the, the uh, uh, Dairy King kind of fights, and afterwards there's debate over who won the fight. Well, he got this slick in, or, well, he got knocked down. And there's a, if you've been beat naked, there's no doubt you lost that fight. Yeah. There, there's no argument there. <laughs> I don't know. I got him in headlock for a while. No, no, dude, you got beat naked. <laughs> yeah. All shame there. All shame. <laughs> yes. So... What's the, what's the difference? Okay, clearly Jesus is the Son of God, and he is the Son of the Most High God, and these demons are created beings. But it says that Paul... I've heard of. I've heard of. Yeah. So what this text tells me, well, first of all, is um, especially non-Christian interaction with uh, spiritism, d demonism, that sort of thing. I, the very fact that I have to say this is shocking, but... I, I had a, a Christian couple that we did marriage co uh, counseling with that had lost thousands of dollars to um, one nine hundred dollop um, prophecy people. That oh, great folks! Great the, folks. Uh, um, palm reader. Palm reader kind psychic. of psychic. What yeah. is it? Is it the California psychics or whatever? It, that's that is the, the one. Yeah. It's, it's the, that's yeah. the big advertised one at like two a.m. And it used to be the woman with the Jamaican accent. <laughs> Sister, oh, I remember that. Uh, sister <laughs> yes. or something. And they like to couch things and throw around Christianese kind of mm -hmm. terms and mm -hmm. crosses and crucifixes. and uh, Just stay away from that stuff. At best, you're get, getting ripped off. At best. It's silly and it's, it's you're just get, they're just taking your money because you're, you're foolish. At worst, you're playing with things that you shouldn't be playing with. Kind of above your pay grade. Yes. In fact, um, the, the story we have of Michael the archangel when he's arguing with Satan over the body of Moses, which 
this is just thrown out there like we should know what this story is. And I was like, <laughs> what? Y'all know that Wait. that one time with Michael. You know, we're talking with Michael. <laughs> yeah, we, with the Michael Archangels arguing with Satan over Moses' body. You remember that, right? Yeah. Michael, instead of rebuking Satan himself, asked God to rebuke him. And so we see in the church people acting like they're one of the sent out ones and thinking that they can take authority over Satan and demons themselves. We see that quite a bit. Well, that was something I was going to bring up was where does kind of this kind of thing fall in terms of, especially in a, I'm trying to say this lightly, in, in some big charismatic scenes that we've seen probably since 80s and 90s mm-hmm. of the casting out of demons and the, you know, every every Christian person, and this is no disrespect to anyone, but the, every Christian person, or if you're not, I'll send you the link, has seen the Benny Hinn throwing his jacket around and you've seen the memes where they, you know, put a, they photoshopped a lightsaber onto the jacket sure, and playing sure. Star Wars noises behind it. It's my favorite video ever. But <laughs> so, so we're, I mean, it's up there. It's pretty oh, funny. And yeah. it's with, and in the background is let the bodies hit the floor. I'm just saying, it's really funny. Um, so where does that kind of stuff play into to where, again, it, I, I'm not saying that person doesn't have the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying that person's not saved or whatever who's doing that kind of stuff. But, again, you, it seems to me at clearly at, at the most basic level, it's kind of what you're saying. You're playing with some stuff that is not your – those aren't – those aren't the toys that I'm supposed to be playing with. Like that isn't. So I'm just. So I guess that's kind of that's something that I would ask in terms of like because so that's Paul stuff we've had seen. the power. Yeah, we I mean, see that Paul had the power to do this sort of thing. We know that it was given to specific people. How does it play out to us, your average American Christian? Because in the we've 21st seen. Century? I mean, again, in a big scene, big TV preachers do that kind of stuff, and um, <clears throat> people give money to those things. And it's like, so how do we? Well, he says that he can do that, but like you know, so how do you navigate through that and kind of figure out like, okay, this is. This is this is what's you know when you get in that terms of prophecy and casting out demons or whatever that can people some people can try to sell you or whatever. Where are we looking at in terms of today of we're looking at situations like this of you know hey they know Paul they know Jesus but who who in the world who is Benny Hand yeah you know that oh, kind of yeah. thing is it the same is it the same kind of principle or what is it I would say that it's the exact same principle in that just like we said with Sister Teresa who's reading palms at best you're just getting ripped off and at worst you're opening yourself up to things that that you shouldn't. You're I would say the spiritual world that's... that um, I want to say it's two million dollars that that different people have put together. That there's two million dollars on the table if you can prove an interaction, and I I can test it to make sure that you're not cheating, you're not you don't have headphones in, that you can prove that there's this interaction with spiritism. Um, I will give you the $2 million, and nobody's laid claim to it. So Benny Hinn, if he can heal people, why aren't you at Children's Hospital, comes to mind. Right. And so at best, they're just ripping people off, and they're using the name of of the church and Christ to do it. And and, and I think that there is a large generation who has kind of seen how some of that stuff has played out. But, again, for some people, and especially if you're somewhere and for – I don't know, it could be 1 a.m. somewhere and you're, you know, wake up or whatever and you see these ads on TV or however it is, if that's your first exposure to the gospel, which I've heard that story, if that's somebody's first exposure to the gospel, that's what I heard is there was a healing going on or they were prophesying. I was in a in a weird, uh, a band that I was in when I was much younger ended up in a weird place just playing and it was Christian and then all of a sudden the preacher got into some of that kind of stuff of is this per- is someone with this name in the room or someone knows this person who has this name that's hurting or someone has a leg that's hurting and it's like well 
I mean, well, and there's there's a principle called cold, a cold read, which is what usually the the people who think say that they can talk to dead people mm-hmm. are using. So if I walk into if this room, the, the sanctuary that we're in now, were full and there's 500 people in here, I, and if I were to walk out to the edge of the stage and say, um, the Lord has just really laid on my heart that someone here is hurting. Well, you know what? There is going to be there's going to yeah. be several people. So then here. you say right, these about bl- 499 of them. Yeah, you right? say these blanket <laughs> statements, and it's like, again, someone. So, one of the statements was someone who knows someone named someone who's who's whose life crosses path with someone named William is hurting here tonight, and I was like, I mean, that's that's just so. It's like these eyes. It's deep, a cold read. Yeah, it's these. And, and there's literally books that you can read and study that teach you how to do that. And I think having been a public speaker for 20 or 30 years, I've been amazed at how easy it is to manipulate an audience. I was going to say that, and, and but not but try but try not to say it that bluntly. But you said it, so it, it's very. I mean, and you and that's what we talked about, which some of you may were just listening, may have listened recently to our Revelation podcast. But in Revelation, we were just talking about how the Antichrist, whatever, was going to use this term blasphemy, and so that kind of stuff is what I'm thinking. Like when I when I'm lucky enough to stand behind a pulpit or stand behind whatever and bring God's word to God's people. I want to be super, super careful of not doing that because it is really, it's, 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 it's just easy to do. It's, oh, it's easy so to get easy to, to. It's easy to turn that from this is the truth to this is what I say it is, and now or we've jumped straight off into emotionalism and 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 and, and all kinds of different sensitivities, and it's just easy to go down that path in a heartbeat, and people will follow. And so you just and crowd manipulation is actually easier because you the crowd reinforces it. Yeah, and so you can step out on the edge of the stage and say. I, do, do I get an amen? Oh, that was lame. Let me get an amen. And and now you've got the input from the voices around you, and it's easy to walk a crowd into excitement. Yeah. It's easy. I, 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 I've never done it like on a bet, but I guarantee you I could make a crowd of people start crying just by moving them emotionally in a direction. And so if you're trying to do that for nefarious means, and if your ultimate goal is to get into their pocketbook, you can do that. If your ultimate goal is to show how many numbers you you have in the altar, all you got to do is on the seventh verse of Just As I Am, get somebody in the crowd who, and there have been evangelists who've been caught doing this, get people in the crowd whose job it is to come forward. Yeah. Once that movement starts, then people in the audience are going to get swept up in that. And so that kind of manipulation um, is, A, wicked. Yeah. Because you're, you're, you're playing on people's emotions for no other reason than to satisfy your own self or your mm-hmm. own greed. And, B, it's cheap. And so when I uh, – in the 90s, there was a uh, – there were several TV shows that came out that were people doing cold reads, and they were talking to, to, to dead people, supposedly. And I think one of them was called Talking to Dead People, I, for some reason. Yeah, my creative. Um, well, we've never been really good at naming things in America. Uh, it's really it's, it's uh, the Grand uh, Canyon, the, really? That's the best we could do? The, <laughs> me, the medium? The medium the, or whatever? That one was so strange because it was like Desperate Housewives meets 
Oh yeah, Greek, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking to dead people. It's like this is really <laughs> strange. This is like an odd. This is there a, was one though that was such a like small crowd. That's there be was a, it this. was an auditorium, and he would do the whole somebody in here is hurting, and yeah. somebody would, you know people would raise their hand. And, yeah. uh, somebody here, I can I feel it since the name William, and oh you you, and then he would talk them through, and and I watched one or two episodes of that just out of curiosity and thought to myself, I've been in that church service. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like we all can kind of sit there I, and do that. as y'all are speaking. Each one of these, I keep thinking, yes, I've sat through a service. Like that, and, again, and I'm not. Again, I am not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the judge, and I don't want that job. But and so I'm not. Do I'm not questioning and anybody's. It's not to speak against healing. We do believe that God can and does that's heal. Not, yeah, at I, his I think discretion. But I think like if you have any sort of discernment and kind of and, and are in Scripture and kind of are at least trying to pursue what the truth of the gospel, the truth of what Jesus says, you can usually pretty easily see, discern and see through. That kind of stuff, which, and that's not to say you're, that's not to say anybody's dumb. That is to show the importance of be in the word, be in pursuit of oh, relationship with Christ so that you can tell this is truth. I see that. This hand. is garbage. You know, I see that. Hand. I, well, what about the, uh, God, I hate to, I'm so hesitant to even say it, but I've said in a place before where it's, um, this is not this exactly how it's phrased. I'm trying to kind of get away, but it's something like feed the children. And oh it's yeah, a, yeah, and it's an emotional manipulation to give. Now, it's not to say that giving is bad or the organization is not doing what it's supposed to do, but and you do have to be careful in those times. And it's also not to say that there's not a place for emotions in yeah, teaching and stuff. Like, okay, this past Sunday, I preached on Jesus in the Garden. That's not one that we necessarily, like. We want to understand the heaviness and and the weight that's there with Jesus in the Garden, and there are some emotions that go with that, like Jesus. The, and the and the uh, as the son of God and is fully God yet fully man as part of him being fully man was experienced physical emotions and pain that right. we all deal with and so yeah like in that moment you I want to make sure that we understand and understand the text more than ever, more than anything of what Jesus is is going through here but that's not manipulating anything that's just we're just trying to make sure we see what Jesus is going through so there's a place for it. it's not to say that you know up here every week because you because you watch some other pre- pastors who are just cold and like skeletal and it's just like what are this is just feels like really empty and so there's definitely a balance there but you definitely want to make sure that i'm not when we when we start hinting or edging towards that manipulation thing we're in we are stepping in again and i like that phrase of of playing with stuff that is just i mean you're just poking a bear yeah and you had a really good story that you shared with us or shared with me and then i took it back and shared it with the women about the time you were in haiti and it ended up being uh there's a voodoo guy that follows you around you know that that story is really good and you talk about how spiritual warfare is happening we i actually asked in our class in our small group while we were doing that wednesday night study i talked to the women and we i was like so we don't talk about demons a lot here in America. Now, I did have a couple of people in the class that disagreed and were like, yes, I do. You know, it's, it, and I said, okay, so it's a part of your vocabulary or friend group. But most of us, we tend to think of it only as over there. It's kind of like demonic stuff is um, either part of a horror movie, which we've made it to make it to be entertainment, or we've made it to where it's over there. It's the voodoo guy. It's the animal dressed it's the people it's the, pe- it's the people up on our hind road doing stuff like that's oh, yeah, what yeah. i'm saying you know, it's the thir- wicca all the yeah. all that stuff but it, even that we don't face that a lot you know we're third we think third world country backwoods 
you know, we don't use it as part of our regular everyday discussion. And that's kind of where we were trying to head with our discussion with the women as we were talking it through and talking about Satan's influence and his the demons who, and how they deal with us. But we also tried to differentiate between the fact that we sin and obviously Satan's at work in the world around us, but there's sin that we fight that's not because of a demon behind the bush. Oh, absolutely. I mean, James really lays that out. That, yes. That, hey, we're drawn by our own desires. I, I really don't need Satan to help me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I got enough sin that I can Well, and as not, and I guess a third world country, and again, this is not saying I'm better or whatever, but like, uh, I am much more tempted to sin via my stuff than I am than I would be if I had nothing. Does that make sense? And I'm not saying that, like, if I was, I'm blessed to have what I have, as we all are. And so, like, because of my stuff, I've got, I mean, I've I got enough distractions with my stuff. Does that make sense? Like, sure. I have enough stuff to distract me and to, and to tempt me to sin and to, that are placed in front of me that I'm just, I mean, and, you know, some, sometimes my sin might be my stuff. Like, I love getting stuff. Yeah. And, how about so, how prideful we are? Yeah. I mean, like, I think from a cultural standpoint, and I think I've talked about, I've talked with this with you of kind of, uh, I remember going on one of those one of those trips, as you talked about, uh, of going to. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see it, but bless a house. I remember going on one of those, and I and I remember like the next day, or, or that was like on a Sunday on like our Tuesday when we met. I was like, why is this? Why do we see all the things and hear of the voodoo and all the stuff in? I think specifically we talked about Haiti because that's where you'd been, and I've had experience with before of those places. But then here, like I haven't. I don't know if I've met a voodoo doctor. I mean, I'm sure they're out there, but like I don't. Yeah, Miami. There's a bunch. <laughs> so there's a there's a strong influx of Haitian immigrants in Miami. Been so, but like that kind of things where it's like again, it looks super to us. It just oh, we can't like at least let's say us. Like at least from my perspective, it's like oh well, they're over there and that's how they do it. And like we don't really we think we're a, too sophisticated for it. But that's what it is. But or, it's it's actually I mean we're civilized, you know, and, and that's wrong. Okay, how so let's, is that you, you guys are edging right right up on. So what's Satan's purpose? What, what does he want to do? And so first we know that uh, because all humanity, every human who lives, whether no matter the, the lowliest, um, homeless, drunk person who you would walk by and go, oh, that person is made in the image of God. Amen. And yeah. Satan hates him because yes. Satan hates God first and foremost that's why he was cast out. And so he hates humanity, and he wants us to go to hell. He wants to destroy our souls. He wants to destroy our bodies. And so how he goes about that is either in one or two ways. And Jesus really lays it out with a story that you all know, the story of the prodigal, uh, the prodigal son or the, 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 uh, the story of the father. Really, the emphasis is on the father in the story. But you have two brothers. You have one who goes off and blows all of his money on booze and women and and partying and doing whatever he wants to do. And the other brother who stays back with his dad, works really hard, does everything that he's supposed to, in the eyes of the world is successful. The point of Jesus' story is both of these brothers are headed to hell. One is being blinded and drugged there because he's the party animal, and the other is being blinded and drugged there by his own self-pride. Mm -hmm. And how when the brother does repent and show back up, he's like, well, nobody ever killed me, a little baby goat, and here you're giving him the fatted calf. And the father says, all this is yours 
idiot. What's your problem? So the point, though, is, is that we have a tendency to look in our culture at someone who's um, an alcoholic or they're dealing with a drug issue or they, they, they have some kind of sexual sin. One of those icky things we really don't All like. the things that, that probably if you're looking down your nose at them, you're not tempted with. While we ignore in Paul's list of, and such were some of you, gossip and backbiting and busybodiness, and because we're living lives that are respectable. And I air quoted too, and you can't say that. So, <laughs> um, so, so in America, because of the fact that we're sophisticated and we're we're scientifically minded, and we're you know we're all the show me state, we're all from Missouri. That is not the way the enemy is dragging us into hell. Typically, there are some cases where, like you said, w- wiccanism, or uh, we we're just now trying to learn and educate ourselves about um, modern paganism, Norse yeah. paganism, things like this. The enemy uses that some, and probably as we become post-literate as a culture, that will become more common. Mm-hmm. But on your average today, the enemy can drag me to hell from working a uh, 7 in the morning till 10 at night just as easily as he can from some voodoo doctor in uh, Nepal. He doesn't care what method he uses. I can be a good person. And and so if I'm if I'm respectable, I'm a good old boy. Uh, we say grace, we say ma'am, and we go on Easter and Christmas and y- Mother's Day. And and I mean I've gone to many the funeral where the the preacher said, I know he never really went to church, but he was the salt of the earth and he took care of his family, so I know he's in heaven. Well, that ain't how any of this works, brother. <laughs> and so yeah. I mean, I, granted, now I've I've done hundreds of funerals and I've never said, yeah, he's probably in hell. I, I get why you have to kind of, kind of, it's just not the appropriate place. Big crickets in the, in the funeral home. <laughs> yes. You wouldn't finish in the funeral home <laughs> in some guess. places. So, and the story that Donna was referring to, I, um, after there was an earthquake in Haiti a few years ago that um, around 200,000 people died in the first hour or so. And I was asked uh, by an organization to go to Haiti to help with the relief effort. And so I, I'd been there for uh, about a week, uh, and Sunday rolled around, and I asked uh, one of the, the law enforcement folks that I was working with if they could carry me to a church. And, and he said, well, there's First Baptist uh, Port-au-Prince, and I'm like, well, there you go. Those are my people. And so we, we take off with I have a police escort and we're walking there was no there were no roads or cars really in Port-au-Prince after the earthquake and so we're walking to where this church is Um, and as we're walking I start noticing that we're being followed by a very large uh, 6'2", 6'3", dude who is um, uh, African in descent but he is naked and he is covered from head to toe in uh, what I assume was lime so he's got this white, like white, white, like paper white paint all over him. So I noticed him pretty pretty quickly because, A, he's naked guys following me, and, B, he's covered in white paint. And so we get to the church, and the, the church building had collapsed. And um, the uh, 
the church was meeting in kind of uh, the street that had been cleared out. They had put some of those white plastic chairs that are, seem to be everywhere on earth. I can't sit in those. That, yeah, that, that <laughs> always. I, I'm like I'm like two ten, and I always feel like this this wasn't made for me. Yeah, I can't sit in those. <laughs> and also, see, I've I've had mean friends where like you I've seen too many videos where somebody sits that and you come out and just point one of the legs out from under it. Oh, yeah, and yeah. Somebody just goes fall. Like I've seen too many of those. So, so we know what white plastic chairs are. Well, we're sitting in the white plastic chairs, and naked dude is standing right behind me, and everybody in the church is paying attention to nothing but me and white naked guy. Uh, and so I turned to the the police guy that I was with and said, "So what's up with with dude back here?" So, 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 so was it bothering you? Uh, it was it was bothering me because now I've completely disrupted this church service. But it wasn't intimidating. Uh, no, it wasn't intimidating at all. It was, if anything, it was. This is a cultural oddity that's interesting. I want to go up and interview the guy. So let's go talk to him and ask him. Some <laughs> that's right. What, what kind? Why are you wearing white paint? Here? When did you learn to do that? That's right. So um, the the police. Uh, sergeant that I was with says he's he's a voodoo priest and he's here to curse you. The white paint is to mimic the fact. And I'm like, dude, I'm not that white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get some sun. What are you talking about? Um, it did not freak me out at all. But clearly, I had so disrupted the service that I left. I, I because they're not paying attention to anything except now uh, I've been cursed by this voodoo priest. I get back to the the place where we were working, where we're uh, essentially an aid station uh, for the earthquake, and all of the policemen here, the story moves among all the Haitians that I've been cursed, and they're expecting me to die at any moment. They are completely freaked out by this, which I actually am laughing at. It's like every time that I would eat, I would mimic that I was choking. It was... I would be walking along in front of a group of people and just fall over, and, ah, and I'm thinking, really... In my mind, I'm kind of thinking, Satan, really, this is all you got? I mean, this this, this is it? This, this is this your is, spiritual warfare. This is the spiritual warfare because yeah. yeah. this ain't bothering me at all. Um, fast you, forward. You say, give it to me, biggin. That's yeah. right, exactly. So fast forward a few days, and um, there was, in the midst of this tragedy, uh, a revival that broke out where uh, Haitian believers were actually in what would be equivalent to our national mall. They were marching around and around, singing hymns, and then they would stop and somebody would preach. And estimates were there were around a million people there. Hmm. And I was asked if I would, would share a, a message. And so I was scheduled to be there at like 3 o'clock, and I don't remember the ex- actual time, but it was in the afternoon. And, and so I had set aside a couple hours to prepare, and so it's like 10 o'clock, and I'm sitting there starting to flip through my Bible, and the same guy comes running up. He goes, all right, you're on. And I'm like, wait, same no. Same guy, the captain of the, the police. The, the, the police captain. Not, 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 the, not, the, not, the, not the naked not white guy. Not the naked dirty yeah. priest. Yeah. So he comes up. He goes, you're on. And I'm like, what, what do you mean I'm on? He's like, well, they've they moved the schedule, and you're about to preach. And so I get drugged through this crowd uh, up onto a makeshift stage, and I'm standing in front of a million people. Not even a little bit intimidated by this at all. I mean, here's a million Haitians out here. They've been singing. I've got a, I got a translator because I don't speak Creole. And uh, had my sermon prepared to the in the walk over. Um, so I'm going to preach on uh, David and Goliath and how God loves to use broken, small things. God could have rescued Israel with Saul, but he chose to use David. I'm ready to go. And I start preaching, and out of the corner of my eye, I see the American um, television stations like CNN. And I, I kind of look over there, and I make eye contact with Sam Shepard. I mean, he's got the white hair, so you can't 
I knew exactly who it was. And so, and, and I'm looking, and it's like Fox News, CNN, CBS, NBC, all these cameras are, are on me. And when I made eye contact with Sam Shepard, I was completely overwhelmed with intimidation that these million Haitians didn't bother me, but this group of 30 or 40 American TV stations over to, to my side um, crippled me so that I could could not speak well. And I stumbled through the sermon, and I, I was just overwhelmed by that. And I've thought about that a lot since then, that why did that so intimidate me? Why did that scare me? So in that situation, Satan came with the voodoo priest, and it didn't bother me at all. It bothered all the Haitians, and it undermined my ability to minister there to them because they were expecting me to die. But what got me was those cameras, all those one, those big one-eyed fancy cameras staring at me, and the fact that I recognized one or two of the of the people, and I'd seen them on TV. And now I'm overwhelmed with, "Ooh, that's Sam Shepard. Was he going to think about what I say?" And and so I, I say that to say there we see two different ways that Satan attacked. One was unsuccessful to me as a Westerner, but very successful to people in that culture. And the other... And you lost in, witness and influence with those in the police department. Oh, they wouldn't right? talk to me. They wouldn't be around me cursed. because I'm cursed. Yeah. So it worked beautifully with them, but he, used the, he pulled the standard American card on me, and it worked beautifully. The intimidation that I felt where I'm gonna, this is going to be on TV, my, my granny's going to see it. What if I say something wrong? What so if, you fumbled through the sermon? I fumbled through the sermon. I felt I, I went back and I, I wept because I felt like I had failed. The enemy won in that scenario because he attacked me exactly where I needed to be attacked. So that shows me that here in the United States, he doesn't care if we line up candles and put up pentagrams and put on robes or if we just go to work every day, or we go party and we go for the gusto and we carpe diem or we YOLO or whatever phrase we're using this week. He didn't care. He just wants to destroy you. And I show up at church once a month to maintain the status of I'm a good old Southern person. that Good old boy. The, we say grace, we say ma'am. Yeah. And so I think the thing that we need to realize is is the ultimate goal of the enemy is he wants to drag us to hell. He wants to destroy our soul. If he can't have you because you've already gotten saved, he wants to destroy your testimony and your ability to have an impact on anybody around you. How he goes about doing that, whether it's because you're the person who goes to church every time the doors are open and you're an arrogant, hypocritical, pain in the rear to be around. And so everybody in your family hates it when you show up at the family events because you're the one who's like, well, I don't eat that and I don't drink that. And I don't know what y'all's problem is. If he can destroy your family and you that way, he'll do it. If he can destroy you by you sneaking around and cheating on your wife and thinking that nobody's ever going to find out, he'll do that. If he can, any way that he can get you, he doesn't care. And our fallacies, the two great ways that the enemy loves to go is either we pretend he doesn't exist, and so we don't have to worry about it, or we focus on him all the time. He didn't care which way we go, so long as he's got us. So long as your focus is not on Christ. Exactly. And so whether we're focusing idolatrously on ourselves, whether we're focused idolatrously on someone else, even somebody in the church, yeah. He doesn't care. 
so long as we're not focused on Christ and we're not humbly acknowledging our dependence on the Father. It's so long as we're not doing those things, he doesn't care how he does it. And we're fools to ignore either way and ignore the way that he's working either way. But we're also foolish if we walk around and we say, well, that bottle of wine wasn't my fault. That's the devil made me do it. Yeah. Either way, the enemy's got you. And so how do we fight? What are our, our warf- what are the weapons of our warfare? Well, we we are told, like really specifically. It amazes me when I see some of the craziness that happens in churches because it's almost like all of that stuff happens in a vacuum where the Bible hasn't given us really specific instructions in how to fight the enemy, and that is in Ephesians chapter 6. We've been at this for about an hour, so we're going to come back next week and really dig into this, but I want to open it up this way by, by reading the first, his introduction, finally, which you know what finally means to a preacher, right? Absolutely nothing. Three points before the end. That's right. In conclusion, closing this up, buttoning it up, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. How are we strong in? Not my strength, not my might, but in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. And I want to leave it on that, that that, that the thing that Paul says to the point that you, you really want to correct his grammar, stand, 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 stand. God has given you everything you need, believers, to stand. We don't need any special mumbo-jumbo. We don't need to know the special words to say because that's not Christianity, that's witchcraft, that you have to have a special incantation. We know that the enemy's coming against us. You have everything you need, probably gathering dust on your coffee table or in your car, to stand. So next week, we'll look at that armor of the Lord, and we'll look at how to stand. Anything else we want to add before we close? All right, go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king.